Let's open our Bibles, please, to the book of Acts. The book of Acts, chapter 13, if you will. Acts 13, beginning with verse 1. Now, there were in the church that was at Antioch. By the way, this is Antioch in Syria. There's two Antiochs in the Bible that you'll read of in, in the book of Acts. Now, there were in the church that was at Antioch certain prophets and teachers as Barnabas and Simeon, that was called Niger, and Lucius, of Cyrene and Manan, which had been brought up with the with Herod the Tetrarch and Saul, as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, "Separate me Barnabas and Saul for the work whereunto I have called them." And when they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. So they, being sent forth by the Holy Ghost, departed unto Seleucia, and from thence they sailed to Cyprus. And when they were at Salamis. They preached the Word of God. Now, I want you to notice this. They preached the Word of God in the synagogues of the Jews. And they had also John to their minister. And when they had gone through the isle unto Paphos, they found a certain sorcerer, a false prophet, a Jew, whose name was Bar-Jesus. Now, that's very important because he's called Elmas down in verse 8. Uh, which was with the deputy of the country, Sergius Paulus, a prudent man who called for... Barnabas and Saul, and desired to hear the word of God. Now notice it says, and desired to hear the word of God. But Elmas the sorcerer, for so is his name by interpretation, withstood them, seeking to turn away the deputy from the faith. This is important in our text. Seeking to turn away the deputy from the faith. Then Saul, who also is called Paul, filled with the Holy Ghost, set his eyes on him and said, O full of all subtlety and all mischief, thou child of the devil, thou enemy of all, all righteousness, wilt thou not cease to pervert the right ways of the Lord? And now behold, the hand of the Lord is upon thee, and thou shalt be blind, not seeing the sun for a season. And immediately there fell on him a mist of, and a darkness, and he went about seeking some to lead him by the hand. Now verse 12. Then the deputy, when he saw what was done, believed, being astonished at the doctrine of the Lord. This same deputy that in verse 8, this one was seeking to turn him away from the faith. So verse 8 and verse 12 are very important. Let me read the last part of verse 8 and then verse 12 again. It says, seeking to turn away the deputy from the faith. Verse 12, Then the deputy, when he saw what was done, believed, being astonished, at the doctrine of the Lord. Now then, we want to bring you a message this morning on the believer and the faith. The believer and the faith. And we'll describe the faith and we'll describe the believer. And then we'll get into some points in our message. By the faith, we mean the whole body of revealed truth. We mean all of God's Word, the Bible, the Word of God from Genesis 1-1 to Revelation 22-21. We mean by that that we believe all the Scripture. Paul says that all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. We find that the Bible says that we have also a more sure word of prophecy in Second Peter chapter 1, verse 19 through 21. We have a more sure word of prophecy, whereunto you do well if you take heed, as a light that shineth in the dark place until the day dawn and the day star rise in your hearts. And he says that no prophecy of the Scriptures of any private interpretation, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. 
We believe that the Bible says that every word of God is pure, and He is a shield to them that put their trust in Him. Proverbs 30, verse 5 and 6. It goes on to say, Add thou not unto His words, lest He reprove thee, and thou be found a liar. So we find that the Bible is the Word of God, and the Word of God is the foundation of our faith, because faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. In Isaiah chapter 8, verse 20, it says, To the law and to the testimony, if they believe not according to, if they speak not according to thy word, it is because they have no light in them. So we have a lot of things about the word of God. Isaiah 40, verse 8 says, The grass withereth, the flower fadeth, but the word of our God shall stand forever. And so we find that the word of God is very important here. We pointed out in verse 5 and 7 in our text. Look at verse 5. It says, they preach the word of God in the synagogues. Verse 7 says, uh, the last part, and desire to hear the word of God. So they preach the word of God, and this particular one desired to hear the word of God. We find that as we look at this fact, that we find in verse 8, the faith is connected. That this Elymas, the sorcerer, wanted to turn away the deputy from the faith. From what he had heard and what, what the word of God had established him already was faith. Because how does faith come? Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So he had already heard enough that it, it had given him faith. And this particular one wanted to turn away the deputy from the faith. Do you know that every time the Word of God is preached, there's always an enemy out there that wants to turn people away from the faith? And so you can count on it. They're very successful sometimes too, especially if it's not deeply grounded in the heart of the, the one that hears. So we know that the Bible shows the necessity of faith. Faith in the doctrine of the Lord. Verse 12. Paul, it says in Galatians 1 verse 23, that Paul preached the faith which once he destroyed. Paul at once destroyed this faith. But it says in Galatians 1 verse 23. And then in Galatians 2 verse 16, it says, A man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ. Jude verse 3 tells us that we should contend for the faith which was once delivered to the saints. I think we've given you enough enough to show you that uh, and describe faith. So we said we're going to talk about the believer and the faith. Now, the, ne the next thing we want to point out is the believer. What do we mean by the believer? We mean one who has experienced real conviction of sin. And the Holy Spirit, having convicted him that he is a sinner, has revealed Christ as the one and only Savior to Him. In other words, the Holy Spirit will convict people of their sins and show them also at the same time if the gospel is preached that Jesus is the only hope for their, their salvation. And we believe that a real believer has had conviction that he is a sinner. Why? Because the Bible says that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The Bible says there's not a just man upon the earth that doeth good and sinneth not. The Bible teaches that we're all sinners. We were by nature the children of wrath. And that God commendeth His love toward us. And that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. Christ died for us. He said it twice over in Romans chapter 5. So we find that the believer is one that is convinced of that. And furthermore, in John chapter 1, verse 12, it says, As many as received Him, to them gave He power to become the sons of God, 
even to them that believe on His name. So we, we receive Christ. You know, He came into His own, and His own received Him not. But as many as received Him, He gave power to become sons or children of God, even to them that believe on His name. And so you become a child of God by faith in Christ. It is by means of the new birth, because the, the Bible tells us that the means of that new birth is the Holy Spirit of God convicting us of our sins, and that you're born from above, you're born anew, Paul puts it this way, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature in Christ Jesus. So, what about the child of God? It is he who has become a child of God, and his sins have been atoned for by the blood of Christ. He is forgiven, he is justified, he is saved, he is sealed with the Holy Spirit under the day of redemption. How do we know he's forgiven? Ephesians 1 verse 7 says, "...in whom we have redemption through his blood." The forgiveness of sin according to the riches of His grace. Colossians 1 verse 14 says, In whom we have redemption through His blood, even the forgiveness of sin. So we find that He is forgiven and He's justified. Romans 5 verse 1 says, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So you're forgiven and you're justified and you have peace with God. And then furthermore, we find that you are saved. Paul puts it this way, that He has saved us and called us with a holy calling. In 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 9, God who has saved, Christ has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to His own purpose and grace. And then we find that we're sealed. We're sealed unto the day of redemption. Ephesians 4.30, And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you were sealed unto the day of redemption. So that is the believer. Now we've talked about faith and we've talked about the believer. Now we're going to give you five things about the believer and the faith. By the way, that was just introduction. I heard one preacher say, I believe it was this morning, he says, I'm not out of sermon, but I'm out of time. So sometimes we run out of time before we run out of sermon. But anyway... A real believer, we've said, is one that's converted to the faith. We just tried to show you that. But we have many profess who are not converted to the faith. There are the, you know, we have the parable of the foolish virgins and five wise and five foolish virgins in Matthew, I believe it's 25. And it tells that there are five wise and there's five foolish that were not prepared for the bridegroom coming. And by the way, in that parable, it says they all slumbered and slept while they waited. So there are many Christians asleep at the wheel, aren't they? That's right. And so we need not be... That ought to be a wake-up call for those who really are prepared for us not to sleep so much along the way. So it's absolutely necessary that we realize that we must be converted to the faith. There are many that claim to be Christians, but we find that there are exceptions to the rule and they'll we'll see by what they do as to whether or not they're truly a child of God. They refuse the baptism of the New Testament. You know, if a person says, well, I know I'm a, I've been saved or I've trusted the Lord, but I don't want to be baptized. Maybe there's something wrong with that. I'm not sure. We leave that up to God. But I believe that every child of God, if you've been saved by the grace of God, that you ought to be willing to follow the Lord in baptism and make it an open confession to the world that you belong to the Lord. You ought to be willing to do that. And so we have many that don't go, they, they don't go that far. The Bible says 
in Acts 10, verse 48, the house of Cornelius, and he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. And it's a command. And it's the one way we can follow Jesus. Some refuse membership in a New Testament church. And the Bible teaches that we ought to belong to a New Testament church. It tells us in the book of Acts 2.47 that the same day there were added unto them 3,000 souls. Then they that gladly received His word, that's first of all, were baptized. And the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. And then we will take verse 42 later on. They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. That's another point in our message. Continues. So we find that a real believer is willing to, to go the second mile, we might call it. Those who rob God of His tithe give as they think, well, you know, it doesn't make any difference. But back it was established in the Old Testament time and time again that we ought to give our tithes to the Lord. The Bible tell, tells us that Abraham did. tells us that Jacob did. He says, God, if you'll just be with me, I'll give you the tenth of all that I, I have, I possess. Someone said, well, that's in the Old Testament. Sure it is, the Old Testament. But it says in the New Testament, even so hath the Lord ordained. And God has ordained that we carry it over and recognize that we're obligated because in Leviticus 27, verse 30, it says the tithe is the Lord's. You know, some people don't believe that the tithe is the Lord. It belongs to Him. It doesn't belong to you. In Malachi chapter 3, it says, Will a man rob God? He says, Yet ye have robbed me in tithes and offerings. And they had not only given the worst of what they had, trying to consider that as a sacrifice to God, but they had neglected in the other things. Now then, there are those who reject the truth of eternal salvation. You know, John chapter 3 verse 36 says, He that hath the Son hath life, everlasting life. And he that hath not the Son hath not life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. Wouldn't you hate to be a walking example of one who goes through this life with the wrath of God abiding on you? I don't want to be in that condition. The Bible says that he that believeth on him is not condemned. But he that believeth not is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. I believe that's the third chapter, John 3, verse 18. So check that out. Now we find that the Bible teaches that we have eternal salvation through Jesus Christ. In Hebrews 5, verse 9, it says that He's the author of eternal salvation to all them that obey Him. The author of it. The Bible tells us He's the author and finisher of our faith. The Bible tells us, furthermore, that we have been redeemed eternally. It says in Hebrews 9, verse 12, Neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by His own blood He entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. Someone said, I've been redeemed. What kind do you have? What is it? It's eternal redemption. That's what it says there. I didn't make that up. I just told you what God's Word said. And if you're eternally redeemed, what else did it mean? I think I pointed out time and time again, I used to hear an old Methodist preacher over in, in Tulsa or Oklahoma City when I was out on the farm, and he, he was a great... Dr. E.F. Weber, some of you may have heard him, you may recognize the name, but he used to preach years ago, and he'd say he believed in the eternal security of the believer, contrary to what some of the others teach. And he says, what, how can you explain eternal life unless it's eternal life? And the believer has eternal life. Amen? If he doesn't have, he's only got temporary life. 
And so the Bible teaches that we have eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And so he will not accept the fact of eternal salvation. The Bible tells us that this is the record that God has given His Son, that you may know that you have eternal life. That's over in 1 John chapter 5, I believe it's verse 13, where it comes to the conclusion of it. But anyway, you can look that Scripture up. Now, they, re- they also will not accept the pre-tribulation return of Christ. That Christ is going to return at the rapture for His own before the tribulation takes place upon this earth. Some people believe that Christians are going through the tribulation. Others say, we're going halfway through it. Well, we're in a lot of trouble today, but we're not in the great tribulation. And it, it's nothing compared to what will be after the church is taken out. In Revelation chapter 4, verse 1, John sees the door open to heaven, and he's taken up in spirit. And then you see the redeemed singing songs of redemption. Thou hast redeemed us in chapter 4 and 5. By thy blood out of every nation, kindred, tongue, people, and has made us kings and priests, made us priests unto God. That's the song of redemption in heaven. Before the tribulation takes place, in chapter 6, verse 1, it begins to take place. And from 6 through 19, you have the great tribulation, and then Jesus is coming back, and there's going to be a millennial reign. It says that in the 20th chapter. A thousand years is what it's called there. And so, we believe that Christ will take the church, the people, the children of God, the saints out of this world before that tribulation comes upon this earth. And we can look forward to it. Because at that time, Paul tells us in First Thessalonians chapter 4, that at that time the dead in Christ shall rise first, and we which are alive and remain, if we are the fortunate ones, shall be caught up together to meet the Lord in the air, and with them, it says, to meet the Lord in there, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Won't that be a glorious day? All your loved ones that have gone on, you're going to be with them. Someone said, I can't believe that. That's just what God's Word says. That's what His Word says. And we, uh, we're we standing. You know we sing that song, Standing on the Promises of God. We're standing on the promises of God. He's promised that that is what it will be. And then the second thing. A real believer is not only one who is converted to the faith, but a real believer is one who continues in the faith. Not just reading it, but doing it. Doing what it says. Jesus declares, If you continue in My Word, then... Are ye my disciples indeed? If you continue in my word. It says in John, that was in John chapter 8, verse 31. It says, and you shall, in verse 32, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Continuing in the word of God and in the ways of God. Living for the Lord. And God's people will continue. In John 15, verse 9, it says, As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue ye in my love, Jesus said. In other words, continue in the love of God. The Bible says in Romans chapter 5, I believe it's verse 4 or 5, it says that the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit, which is given to us. God sheds His love in our hearts. So that love that He shed in our hearts, we're to continue in it. You have it there, continue that way. I like that. Continue in the faith. The early... New Testament believers, I pointed out in Acts chapter 2 earlier, how they continued in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. That's Acts 2.42. 
They continued in the Word of God. They continued in fellowship. They continued in the teaching, the apostles' doctrine. Why? They wanted to know what they believed and what they stood for. And by the way, friend, today, it does make a difference in what you believe. You've heard people say, well, it doesn't make any difference as long as you believe it. Well, it makes all the difference. You can be a, believe a lie. Second Thessalonians chapter 2, it says there are some that will believe a lie and they will be in strong delusion that they might be damned who receive not the love of the truth that they might be saved. That's a future time, but it's also a present fact that many people believe a lie. It's either truth or lie. You know, we get this business today that it can be just, it's a gray area. We've got this gray area in our world today. I wonder if the whole blue sky is not gray. My wife and I wrote a song one time. Turn the gray skies blue. I've got a couple of songs that are copyrighted, but anyway, that's another subject. Some of you don't believe that I could do that. <clears throat> I was in the Navy, and I was, went into 17, and I had some written. And, and when I got back home, my mother said, had a big old envelope, and she said, Son, you got this a long time back. And uh, I had a, a song named Campfire Gleaming, kind of a little western, country western song. And there was a lady out in California who wanted it for her theme song. And, of course, it was all past due and outdated and everything. Now, I said, Mother, what good will that do me now? Offered a contract and so much money in advance and this and that and the other. But be that as it may, continue in the faith. Continue in the Word of God. In 1 John 2, verse 19, it says, If they had been of us, they would no doubt have continued with us. You find people falling by the wayside. You'll get a church established and people you think they'll believe the Word that's being taught and the doctrines of grace and faith and some cult will come along and steal them out from under you because they have not been established enough in the faith. Didn't we sing that song, We Have an Anchor, earlier today, that keeps the soul steadfast and sure while the world is there? We need to be anchored in the Word of God. And then we won't, be, we won't see people leaving so readily. Real saints not only are preserved, but they persevere. The children of God, continuing in the faith. Jesus said, My sheep... Now look, look at the two sides of, of perseverance and preservation. By the way, they're twin doctrines. You can't, you've heard that saying, you can't have one without the other. Okay. My sheep hear my voice and I know them, and they follow me. Jesus said his, his sheep follow him. And he says, and I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. So there's preservation, they shall never perish, but there's perseverance, they follow me. Who are you following this morning? Now, I'm not saying you're saved just by trying to follow Jesus without being His sheep. But you, it's His sheep that follow Him. And it's His sheep that He gives eternal life. And He says, and they shall never perish. You, you know, the word there, shall never perish, is strong. It's a double negative in the original, in the Greek. And it means they shall not, no, not at all, perish. They shall not, under any circumstances. It's used several times in John's Gospel. In one place... I believe it says, uh, My word shall not, no, not at all, pass away. I don't know if that's in John's Gospel, but it's in the Gospels. And then you find another Scripture says, uh, let's see which one it is. It says, Him that cometh unto me, I will in no wise cast out. That word no wise is a double name. I will not in any circumstances cast out. He that cometh to me, I shall in no wise cast out. 
And so, that means no, not at all. So, a real believer is not only one who's converted to the faith, but one who continues in the faith. Number three, a real believer is one who communicates the faith. Preacher, deacon, layman, women, lay men and lay women in all the church. You say, well, I don't communicate the faith. You have an opportunity, a long life to say some word of witness and communicate your faith. And you do it in so many ways. You do it by your life. You do it by your character. You do it by your word. Someone said, well, I don't, I don't witness to lost souls like I should. Well, maybe not like you should because all of us ought to do more of it than we do, right? But on the other hand, you do witness one way or another. And so don't think that you're left out because you're not a preacher or a deacon or someone that stands behind the pulpit or teaches a Sunday school class or whatever. In Galatians 2, verse 2, it says, Paul communicated unto them that gospel which I preach among the Gentiles. The word communicated is used. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 8, it says, For from you sounded out the word of the Lord, the Thessalonians, unto Macedonia, Achaia, and other places. For from you sounded out the word of the Lord. That's communicated. Philemon, verse 6, says, that the communication of thy faith may become effectual. Paul was writing to Philemon. He says, I want the communication of your faith to become effectual. You know, the word effectual means producing the desired results. It means that it will accomplish what God intends for it to accomplish. And then in the book of Mark, chapter 5, verse 19, where Jesus healed the man that was filled with demons. Legion. He's called Legion. Jesus told him, you know, he wanted to go with Jesus. And Jesus says, go home to thy friends and tell them how great things the Lord hath done for thee. He was to communicate at his home and with his friends what Jesus had done for him. Now, you shouldn't be ashamed of the testimony of what Jesus has done for you. You should at least be able to tell Tell others, by the grace of God, I've been saved and I belong. I'm a child of God. I belong to the Lord. You should be able to communicate something. And in John 4, verse 29, it's telling about the woman of Samaria after she had, Jesus had given her a drink of that water, that living water, which he says that shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. And she went away into the city and says, Come see a man which told me all things that ever I did. Is not this the Christ? She communicated and witnessed as a testimony of what had happened. The early believers in the New Testament, in Acts chapter 8, verses 4 and 5, I won't go back and read all these scriptures, but I'll just give you the gist of them as I try to progress along. As I said earlier, I may be out of time, but I'm not out of sermon. But anyway, in Acts chapter 8, verse 4 and 5, it says, that they were scattered abroad, they went everywhere preaching the Word. They went everywhere preaching the Word. In Acts 8, verse 29, the Spirit said unto Philip, Go near and join thyself to the chariot. Remember the eunuch was riding along in his chariot, and the Holy Spirit said to to Philip, you go and join yourself to, to that chariot. Philip didn't know why. He knew God had a purpose in his life. When the Holy Spirit tells you to do something, there's a purpose behind it. And so... He did. And this man was reading from the book of Isaiah in the Old Testament. Philip said, Understandest thou what thou readest? 
And he says, how can I except some man guide me, except some man show me? You know, there's a lot of people that read that need to be shown. He was even reading the Word and needed to be shown. He says, who is this man speaking of, of himself or of some other man? He was reading where he's led to the slaughter as a sheep to the share, so he opened not his mouth. He says, who is this, who's this man talking about? Isaiah, is he talking about himself or of some other man? And the Bible says that Philip began at the same Scripture and preached unto him Jesus. He says, he's the one you, he's talking about. And so we find him everywhere. So a real believer is one who communicates the faith. And then Peter at the household of Cornelius. And in Acts chapter 10, let me read this for you. In verse 43, it says, To him give all the prophets witness that through his name, whosoever believeth in him shall receive remission of sins. As Peter was preaching in the house of Cornelius, that's a very wonderful verse. Acts 10, verse 43. To him give all the prophets witness that through his name, whosoever believeth in him shall receive remission of sin. I mean, that's the gospel in a nutshell, isn't it? And so, we find that a real believer, and Peter here was the one that was communicating, was communicating the faith. Now then, number four. I have five of them. Number four is a real believer is one who contends for the faith. Jude verse 3 says that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. That means we're standing true to the fundamentals of the faith. We're contending for the faith. The, the virgin birth of Christ. We believe in the virgin birth of Jesus Christ. Some people say, well, in and uh, profess Christianity and ministers, you'll find many ministers that will not confidently say, I believe that Jesus Christ was virgin born. They ought not be in the ministry. And they're leading you astray. Jesus is the Son of God that was born of Mary, fathered by the Holy Spirit, and came into this world, whose goings forth have been from of old, from everlasting. Micah 5 verse 2. And it tells us He'd be born in Bethlehem. And certainly He was. And so you must have a firm conviction about the virgin birth of Christ, about Christ's sinlessness. He did no sin, he knew no sin, and in him was no sin. About his atonement, he made atonement. He redeemed us by his shed blood. And his resurrection, bodily resurrection. Jesus said, this is not a spirit as you see me have. Touch me and handle me. That This is my flesh and my bones. After the resurrection. It is I myself, he said. The same Jesus that was put in the grave was walking along with the disciples after his resurrection. Surely he, would, he had a body that could uh, do things that we cannot do. He entered in when the doors were closed and many other things that we won't have time to go into. But what we're saying is that we believe in the bodily resurrection of Christ. We believe in his actual ascension into the clouds of heaven. And we know heaven is up. The Bible says He's taken up from you into heaven. It's not down. I'm glad it's up, aren't you? Which way are we going? Up. So anyway, and the Bible says that this same Jesus is coming again in the same way that you've seen Him go into the heavens. A real believer is one who contends for the faith, and this is a part of the faith, standing true to these fundamentals. Contending, not contentiously, but compassionately, because we love the Lord Jesus Christ and His Word and the souls for whom He died. You know, Paul says, Preach the Word, be instant in season, out of season. Now look, reprove, rebuke with all long suffering and doctrine. With all long suffering and doctrine. We have a lot of reprovers and rebukers, but they, 
do they do it with all long suffering and doctrine? That's what we're to do. And then in First Timothy four one tells us that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devil, having their conscience seared with a hot iron. We have those that will depart from the faith. In Second Timothy three verse eight, the Bible speaks of men of corrupt minds reprobate concerning the faith. Reprobate means rejection and worthless. To refuse. Refuse to accept. Second Timothy 4 verse 7, Paul says, I have kept the faith. Now, real believer, number 5, concludes this life in the faith. I want to read some in Second Timothy, if you will, chapter 4. Paul said in verse 6, I am now ready to be offered in the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. I have kept the faith. You say, well, preacher, can I say that? You can if you're a child of God. I fought a good fight. Finished my course. What about fighting a good fight as a Christian? The Christian has a life to live that is a battle to live. We must fight if we are to win. Have you fought a good fight? Paul fought himself. He fought his circumstances. He fought his physical obstacles. He fought Jewish prejudice. He fought heathen superstition. He fought false teachers. And he fought Satan himself. God has given us the talents that we're to fight the battle and the equipment and the armor that we're to put on. And we're to use what he's given us. And then there's going to be a day of reckoning. We'll all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Can we say, I've finished my course? The Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter 12. Let me read this for you. Verse 1, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. We're to look to Jesus as we run the race of life, and as we try to finish our course. And can we say like Paul, I have kept the faith. Not only deep within his own soul, but he had kept it for others. He had kept it so he could be a true witness. It makes a great great deal of difference how we uh, keep the faith. It makes a great deal of difference how we end up in life. It's the final outcome. The end result. You know, we'll say, that's the end result. Or that's the bottom line. And that's how we should end up. We want to end well as well as start well. You know, so many people in life, you'll find the testimony of sometimes a, a preacher that will have a good testimony and do many wonderful things and have a good ministry and end up wrong. And I've asked you to pray for me. I've been preaching since 1952. That's a few years, isn't it? And then we pastored this church for 48 years, this one church. But I'll ask you time and time again to pray for me that I will stand fast to the end. I don't know when that end's coming. I hope it's a long ways off. I've got another Bible that's, and I've used each one is to cover about 40 years, so I've got a brand new one there. Haven't started on. Long ways to go. So you pray that I can stay true to the end. And so Paul says, I've finished my course. I've kept the faith. Henceforth, look at this. There is laid up for me a crown of righteousness which the Lord the righteous judge shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but to all them also that love is appearing. We may be companions in sufferings here below, but we shall be companions in glory with Jesus above. We're looking for that blessed hope and glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior Jesus Christ, who gave Himself for us that He might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto Himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. 
And the Bible teaches that we're to be comforted with these words. There's laid up for Paul a crown of righteousness. He says, not me only, but all them also that love is appearing. Do you love Christ appearing? I wouldn't care if He came before we went out the door. And then we'd all go up. And at the same time, the dead in Christ out in those graves would rise. And then we'd be caught up together to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Then a great tribulation is coming upon this earth for a period of seven years. And then Christ is coming back in power and great glory. Revelation chapter 19 on a white stallion and the armies of heaven. That's you and I with Him. Had one lady over in... Uh, see, Tommy's not here this morning. But Piatone, Oklahoma. He says Epitone, but Epitone. Epion. Anyway, that's where I first pastored the church. Had one lady over there that says, But Brother Joyce, I can't ride a horse. The Lord will teach you how to ride it coming back. You'll be riding horses and you don't ever know. And you'll be on, on horses coming with Jesus back to this earth. The armies of heaven did follow Him. I'm thankful for the Word of God. I want us to stay truth to, to, to it. We're going to have a, a just a short invitation. Brother Bill will come and Gene the pianist will come and we're going to stand together. And if you're here this morning and you've never accepted Jesus as your Savior, the Bible says, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. And if you need a church home, we're going to invite you to come. If you need to come and rededicate your life, we invite you to come. I'm going to stand right down here. And as we sing 375, Just as I am, will you come as we sing?